Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Lady Red Live. Today I am interviewing one of the best drummers in Sydney, Australia's uh, performing arts scene. And uh, we've known each other for a while. And his name is, drumroll please, Mr. DC, Mr. Don Cabrera. Welcome, Don. Wow. Hey. It's cracking. <laughs> hey, uh, so DC, one question to start off the interview. How many times do you think you've been on social media already today? Ooh. First time, right. I mean, probably check like the inbox of my Instagram or something. Uh, but uh, no, first time today on Facebook. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, let's get into it. Um, tell us uh, a little quick down low of your highlights for your career so far. Career highlights, straight into it. Um, probably good to work backwards. The most memorable was the recent firefight concert, I'd say. Oh, man, it would have been awesome. Because the most recent and the, probably the biggest gig I've ever done. Um, for people who don't know what that was, that was the uh, the Australian music industry's kind of uh, fundraiser with all the um, Sony artists um, for the recent, recent bushfires that happened. And that was in ANZ Stadium. And I played with Conrad Sewell along with um, a bunch of Sony artists. It's fun. And Queen. Oh, my God. And Alice Cooper and John Farnham. It's great. That's incredible. Uh, and then take us before then. So that was probably February this year, I feel. Yeah, career highlights before that. Um, probably the, the Conrad tours. Um, I feel like they're like my proper 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 label tours where I was the drummer from the beginning um yeah we did a rural tour um and a national tour before that and an east coast tour uh in between um I remember parachute festival that sticks out as well uh it's a big Christian festival in uh was it Wellington or Auckland New Zealand uh 40,000 people um, an American band picked up, picked me up along the way because they fired their drummer along the way. Wow. Uh, that was pretty memorable too. But I mean, in terms of, that's probably in terms of size and um, reach, but uh, I'm sure some, some of the most memorable, memorable gigs as you might, you might um, experience as well would be like really just nice intimate ones where you just connect with like, you know, a table of two people in the crowd that's just feeling what you're doing from the beginning of the gig and they just stay there till the end and you have a chat afterwards. Like those are always the best as well. Anything from the beginning, you know, the early days you can think of? Highlights from the early days? Yeah. Um, I had a pretty good, um, I had a pretty good kind of, um, I'm pretty lucky to, to get into the circles and scene. I, I got in, I guess, coming from music school via, um, the drummers that came before me, you know, who I consider my big bros, uh, Kevin Mendoza, Yanya, Boston. Um, I think I filled in for Kevin for a uh, a tap show. Um, so I kind of already grew up with dances, so I, I'm used to how they work. But um, musically and professionally, that was the first time I got into the, um, uh, aside from Sexy Sunday Jam, which we can talk about later. Uh, the first time I got into the dancing and we, I was covering for him to do a show. Uh, so we rehearsed at uh, S2S and I was a big fan of Sister to Sister because I moved to Australia in like 
year 2000 i'm like oh my god this is the studio um (laughs) shout out to sharon and christine muscat um yeah covered for kevin i think from there i started um playing for other artists and uh, just playing around town doing sessions awesome i didn't know that you moved to australia in in 2000 that's 20 years ago man that's insane fresh fresh I was 12 though, so I already, I was my second language, English is my second language. I was already speaking Tagalog. It's pretty grown. Yeah. Fluent Tagalog at home and then probably still fluent Tagalog at home now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd know a bunch, right? No, only in the elevators on on the cruise ships, I would be like, Comestaka, my booty. That's about it. So, of course, we are friends and we've known each other for a while, but uh, can you remember when and where we may have first had our first uh, interaction? I was thinking about this. Um, you you always tell me it's like, uh, is it Piano Room from your end, from your Yeah, memory? either Piano Room or even maybe Oxford Street Sunday sessions of SSJ, like when it first started on Oxford right. Street. Okay. Yeah, I would say it's when, uh, it's between the two as well. Um, I think well, I I was doing a piano room residency with Adam Katz, but you were like the queen of the piano room. I heard about you before you left there, and like you had like a comeback gig, um, during one of your in between one of your big contracts. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, she she's like, yeah, she's like the piano room. It's piano room because of her. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, so we might have had a jam there, but I remember you as well at Texas Sunday Jam. It was hot. Oxford Street, like everything was happening there. King's Cross. Man, that's that was a day. 2008 uh, Piano Room began at King's Cross under the Coca-Cola sign and it was before the Ivy was, was open so or had even been um, established. Mm. And so it was your name had to be on the door to be able to uh, get into the venue. So I would do the piano dinner set from um, six to nine and then another band would come and do nine to 12 and then another band would come and do 12 till 3 a.m. And so in that season, that 2008, 2009 season, it was some of the in- most incredible moments because it was where everyone hung out on a Sunday night, like to see two bands and then the trying to get your instruments into a venue that you is already at um, capacity, like at <laughs> midnight on a Saturday night in the cross was just out of control so it was a great journey and then I went and did fame for 2010 and then of course that's when you're talking about I would have come back from fame and then been living back in Sydney and been getting back into the piano room and that's probably when Adam Katz was in there that would have been I'm just putting it all together so that's kind of that flow there and of course when we were in fame we would come to uh, SSJ at Oxford Street on Sunday nights as well. Right. So there would have been a bit of a crossover. But I'm pretty sure I remember you playing drums at Sundays at SSJ and Wendy was there, um, uh, someone on sax trumpet, I'm pretty sure. Um, I remember having a few too many and, of course, jumping up and doing the one song that I can only play with a band is American Boy, <laughs> which I found out in another interview last week. That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Um, well, yeah, you uh, you covered some great area in my memory too because I didn't realize. That's why there was a bunch of people with Timo coming to SSJ because Timo was in fame too, right? That's correct. That's right. And then it changed from Timomatic to... Uh, David Dennis and then Ah. so yeah we were just it literally was like um, 
you know, it was So You Think You Can Dance crew from 2009 and then a couple of singers pretty much in that whole show. So it was just a mm. hangout on a Sunday night. It was the best though. Yeah, to this day, it was the golden years for sure. Oh, for sure. And like, let's just really hope that they come back around again. But, you know, they're, they're those moments that, of course, we we got to experience and I, I think that were real. they were really precious, which is fantastic. Uh, so you kind of already touched base in the last kind of six to 12 months for yourself. Um, but give me give me some more information about the tour with Conrad and how that all happened. And um, like I know that he, he has been working his ass off, of course, in the States, being, being an artist and, and getting himself out there. So that's really exciting how you've been there since the beginning. Um, so, yeah, give us a bit of a, a down low in your last, you know, six months of a season before, of course, uh, our isolation period yeah. began. Um, well, it probably wasn't there from the beginning, beginning when it comes to Conrad. Uh, him and Matt go way back. Uh, Matt Cogley is our um, musical director um, and their childhood friends. So they were like the uh, the unbreakable duo. Uh, Conrad would be in vocals and Matt would be in guitar. They grew up together in Queensland. Um, but ever since uh, he's been with Sony and... Um, he's had a national tours or anything like that i've been i've been on board but the past six months i mean oh man it's kind of a blur because of the recent pandemic huh just over six months ago we had the national tour for conrad uh before that i was just doing promo runs with him as i do with a a bunch of major label artists um and that's through i don't even know how that's through that's kind of just it's a small scene in sydney uh if people don't know and um i guess once you kind of play for a, a label or an artist you kind of just get called for promo runs like when people when international artists uh do radio or morning shows or tv or anything like that uh, any of the reality tv shows um and then if there's a if there's a tour coming up for an artist um usually it just lines up and you're available i think i did a couple of morning shows with conrad and then um, they were supposed to hold auditions at Sony. Um, and I was like, I was a bit smug about it. I was like, man, I've already kind of played with him. Like, why do I need to audition for? Like, we never do auditions in in Sydney. It kind of, not for Muso at least, it's kind of, the scene's so small that uh, it's just whoever knows who, like whoever the MD wants to play. Um, I don't think the auditions happened, but um, we ended up doing a, a show and the... Uh, I think yeah, we just we just went on with the national tour. I think um, national tour, a bit of a break. Uh, East Coast tour that that's within the past six months, um, and that's cool because that's um, that's his uh, home court. Um, I've been in Queensland a lot for rehearsals for that. Uh, I'm the only Sydney musician in that band, um, so we did a. Uh, yeah, a few dates with that, and then a bit of a break, and then the rural tour, um, where I just did the first week. So a few shows, a couple of shows, um, and the rest was acoustic. I think that's uh, that's what my memory permits. I don't remember much else since the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> your your brain's gone on break. <laughs> hey, uh, can you remember a defining moment at the beginning of your career? So. You know, when you're just starting out and um, you might have just been maybe gigging around the scene, do you feel like there was any moment where you, you know, you you made that decision, man, this is this is it, this is what I'm going to do? 
It's strange. Um, it kind of felt like it just slotted in. Um, a bit of a blessing in disguise. Like, I like as a kid, I didn't even music's always been in the family. Um, my uncle was like the first OG musician. He toured with like Jackson Five and the Beatles, and he was in the biggest band in Southeast Asia back in the day. And my family's always been, you know, into music, and they're all musicians. They all sing. My mom taught me guitar and all that, but I never really planned to be a professional musician. I just love music. Um, you know, probably dreamed to be an astronaut or a doctor or a psychologist when I was a kid. Um, but <clears throat> I think when I fell into, I played bass throughout my teens and when I fell back into drums, um, I was like, I was a punk head. I was a punker, a lot of punk rock, a lot of alternative music. I think I, um, yeah, I fell back into drums and I'm like, oh, I can be a drum teacher. I can teach this. So just as a job, I thought of that. So I thought I'd take a lesson or two to do that. And I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel right. Um, didn't even finish high school because I, I had severe OCD. But my um, my music teacher, who was like my second mom, kind of spoke to everyone, spoke to my parents, spoke to the principal. She lined it up, uh, made them aware of my condition. I went to MacArthur Mental Health for a year and then I was advised to just work, just redline because my mind was working too much. I had an overactive mind. So I worked retail for three, sorry, you didn't ask for my history, but I'm telling you anyway. That's fine. Um, I worked retail for three years um, and then I'm like, oh, I can go for a music school instead of getting lessons. So that's when I started, well, I, I auditioned for AIM um, and got in. I think I'm the only one who got in ever without a HSC. They just kind of swept that under the rug. Wow. Um, and yeah, just uh, through that was kind of like my entry through the um, the scene, you know, like we'd all kind of go to the to Daryl's jam night, um, Daryl Beaton band at the Civic every Wednesday. Um, and they'd get us up. I remember Kevin, I got called up for a jam and they called Superstition and I didn't know what Superstition was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like they, they called two of the most basic songs and I didn't know, didn't know what it was and they flashed the flashlight on me they're like you don't know what it is I'm like no I don't give me the beat I'll play the beat <laughs> that's probably the one song we all learn at AIM yeah right <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know it um, yeah yeah that's so funny it's um it's crazy that you speak about the Daryl Beaton band because I interviewed Mark Setticole the other day and he said that when he was a young cat at AIM, they would on a Wednesday or Thursday night go and see the Daryl Beaton band up at the cross. Yeah. And how much it was an inspiration for him as a young uh, young uh, uh, you know young musician as well yeah. to watch you know Kevin Mendoza on drums like you said and and these guys that like now yeah. are pretty much our friends like our mates and you know we get to gig with them you know all the time. And it's crazy how um, it evolves that way. Yeah. That's cool, though. You you didn't think of becoming a, a musician. Yeah. Well, yeah, going back to that, I didn't plan it, really. And I didn't I didn't know session musician was a job. I, I, at some point, I thought I, I would be a drum teacher. Uh, and then being a session musician, after a few years, I realized it's kind of like a in my blood. Like, I realized the amount of, like you know, session musicians, not just my uncle, like out there in the world uh, being fellows, some of the best. And, the, you know, as I've done tours and gone back to the Philippines, I've met uh, the music scene there. Um, and they're like some of the best, really the best musicians um, I think I've ever met. Um, 
so yeah, it felt like a, uh, what is it? A blood, right? What is it? Birthright. <laughs> yeah. After a while, I was like, oh, maybe I was meant to be this. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I, I always had supportive, uh, a supportive mom through it. I never heard, uh, and I never felt any resistance or, you know, um, any advice against what I was doing. She just let me do what I did and, um, things have turned out okay. You have to be a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) No, never. (laughs) I'm super lucky. Shout out to mom. Super lucky that never happened. Shout out to Mark Sedical too. And the, and Kevin and Yanya and the Daryl Beaton band. Sweet, sweet. Hey, uh, let's let's move into we we uh, you said SSJ before. How does how does that come into the picture for you? Like when when did that kind of all start to evolve? I love that. So that was kind of around the time we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was the the golden years was when he was at Name This Bar. Um, so coming, I think my second year of music school, uh, I met Kristen Fletcher and we had a jam at AIM one weekend. Um, and she's like, what are you guys doing tonight? There's a birthday party at Name This Bar at Oxford Street. Um, and I think at the time I didn't even have my own, maybe I had my own kit, but I didn't have a license, didn't have a car. And a good friend of mine, Michael Dench, uh, we would do gigs together. Shout out to Michael Dench. He would, uh, I think after that jam, we packed my my drums in his car and we checked out the jam, uh, the birthday, and we we jammed, we set up our instruments. And it was so cool. We couldn't even find where, where the bar was. It's called Name This Bar because it literally didn't have a name. It's just a question mark outside. Um, and then we said, yeah, we set up, we played. Uh, there were people in the the industry there. It was someone's birthday. But it was kind of from the get-go, it was the wedding of the theater scene, the muso scene, the dancer scene, the actor scene. Yeah, it was kind of the wedding of all the... Um, the performing art scenes, you know, in one place. So we did the jam and we're like, oh, let's do this again next week. I'm like, yeah, it was so good. Let's go. Then um, we did it again and again and again. And it just kind of grew <laughs> into what it is now. Nowadays, it's like, you know, my family band, um, the band I've been playing with the longest. And uh, it's uh, more of a corporate band nowadays because we don't play any, we're not doing any residencies at the moment. And that, um, of course, with Flip Simmons, is Flip, pretty much the head has been the head of SSJ from the beginning or has it evolved through the yeah seasons at the time it was it was cookie and flip they were best friends and um ah oh. yeah. yeah 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 so uh it actually felt more like cookie's thing because he was kind of he was this such he was the jammer you know he was so keen to create and do things uh um, improvise for the moment, have a, have a, have a tap dancer go with the drummer, have a, you know, live art paintings, all those things. He loved that stuff. Um, and I think Cookie started getting busy with touring, uh, but we were all still itching to play. Um, and so Flip took, took the reins and, um, yeah, slowly. And then we started getting asked to do gigs outside of that. Uh, so it slowly turned into, into a band band, into a, that's insane that's awesome so um this next question i thought you can answer within um your music career um and and of course throughout life as well so with with the you know the last 10 15 years has there been a time where you've had a a breaking point or 
a moment where you wanted to call it quits? Um, you know, have you had any areas where you've just gone, okay, I need to, you know, take a step back from music? And h- how did you make it through? Ah, that's, an, that's a good question. I don't feel like I've felt that from music or playing, being a, a musician in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like... Um, it's kind of a very holy and naturally natural path uh, I've been set out to do. Um, as I said before, I like I never really planned it, but it's kind of just happened naturally. And it also feels like a cheat code through life. Like, I mean, we get to play for three hours a night if we have a gig to do what we love. And then we get money in the bank. Like, it's never really felt like work. Like, I felt like for the past, you know, 10, 12 years, like I've had a cheat code <laughs> like I've, I haven't had to like answer to a boss or like an early alarm or anything like that unless it's a flight yeah but um yeah so not not really being a musician but i've felt that with several bands you know as a kid you get your um you kind of don't you know you, there's some un, um unexplored terrain that you haven't navigated your way through yet and you let your emotions get the better of you. And sometimes you quit, you quit a band like on the spot or like after the last song, uh, I've had a few of those moments, like quit the band, like while setting up my drums and, <laughs> or start, just stop working, you know, um, part ways with, a with another, um, with an artist or, or something like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. How do I get back on the horse? I feel like every time a door closes, maybe just naturally a new one opens. Yep. Um, uh, I don't fully regret going with my emotions in in those situations where I've parted ways with other people. I feel like that's kind of your natural gut radar, gut instinct that'll lead you to to a new kind of group or a new door opening. Um, Yeah, but very fortunate to have things happen naturally so far yeah I think that's really good because in those instances sometimes you that means you can get stagnant as well like if you um you know were to stay playing with the same people you know for the whole for your whole career then it can become it just becomes repetitive you know um I think being refreshed is is one of the best ways so you know finding where you finding where you where you fit well over the over the seasons is really powerful um because that of course means that you are you are sensitive to um you know the music around you and feeling you know who who feels right to perform with and who doesn't and I've had that as well you know where you just go okay yeah that just that was not a jam like that did not feel how it's supposed to feel yeah you know and just being able to go able to be strong enough to move on a lot of people I don't think um they're afraid to move on of a you know what other other people in the band are going to think or am I going to get another opportunity and I think that's really great how you kind of just allowed you know that a door to close and for another opportunity to be able to to come your way for sure yeah and sometimes I mean you know you leave sometimes you can't help but leave in the most vindictive of terms like things will be said like you know this is the end of your career stuff like that and 
you kind of just soldier through it you cry you cry it out and then you realize no that was actually the beginning of my career looking back at it it's like that was the best move i've ever done <laughs> yeah exactly um, so yeah uh, i think that's part of uh what we do uh, you're right you feeling the vibe and if you don't fit in a certain place you take that elsewhere and it's a better fit somewhere you know You've pretty much, you know, as you said, you moved to Australia when you were 12 and you feel like you've pretty much just navigated music. You know, you did three years of retail and then pretty much you were into the music industry, which is incredible. So, like, the next question was just, um, you know, how have you navigated full-time work with, with gigging? And, um, you know, it is a massive sacrifice for us because gigging is every single weekend. So have you nav- how have you navigated that for yourself personally? Um, again, quite naturally. Um, I feel like with this whole thing, the less I think about it, the, the more it just, the more things just happen. Um, you know, oftentimes we'd hear people, man, there's no gigs. There's no that, there's no that. I feel like the less I do that, the, the, the less I think about it, the more it's just there. Um, because you're not letting it into your reality, your paradigm, whether it's there or it's not, it's just like a byproduct of what you're really doing or what you really love doing, which is just, I just love playing drums. So I was probably for- fortunate that my first uh, year or so of playing, um, maybe first few years, I was still living at uh, at home with my mom. So yeah, I mean, I was paying rent there, but I didn't, I you know, I could save, and I didn't really have the pressure of like, you know, keeping up uh, an independent man's life straight away. Um, so I, th- I moved out much later. Um, I was a bit of a late bloomer, got my license late, moved out a bit later. Yep. Um, by late, like probably like 23, 24 or something. Um, yeah, it's kind of just always been there, naturally. If if I'm playing with a band and it fits, it's cool for a couple of years and then you kind of, you know, part ways, move on to the next one. <laughs> what about relationships for you? Like how's it been? Um, you know, because some like for me personally, the last three years, I've literally been out at sea. Like I haven't been home um, at all. You know, and even if I wanted to have a, a relationship here at home, it would have been it would have been tough. Um, you know, those kind of things, f- f- friendships, and I've lost friendships along the way as well. Um, who just, you know, it got to the point where I was gigging so much on the weekends that my my close friends just wouldn't even invite me anywhere because they would just assume that I was busy. Um, you know, how have you navigated all of that kind of stuff? Nowadays, I think it's a tougher balance. Um, coming up, I feel like a, romantically, I naturally dated other performers just because they're who I meet. So, mm-hmm. you know, singers, actors, dancers. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of been a curse that I haven't, haven't really broken out of. Um, it would be nice to just have like a, you know, a different world, like nine to five or just hear about something else. But um, yeah, uh, I think the tough, what's tough is keeping up my relationships my previous relationships before the career, which is family and like my, my God brothers, my closest friends, my family friends. Um, it's so easy to be like the guy who left the philo community, you know, the scene, um, uh, sorry, the, you know, the youth groups and, you know, the, the family friends, all that, and move to the city and, you know, be amongst <laughs> the whites. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's and and sometimes it's like it's oftentimes it's like when people say, "Oh man, you've changed." It's really the people saying that that have changed. So you kind of need to handle yourself, you know? It's like them thinking that you think you're this now, you're that now. But no, man, it's like you're just you're the same guy just because we don't see see each other weekly, we don't get to talk a lot doesn't mean I've changed. Like sometimes other people's insecurity will be blamed on you. Yeah, right. Um so yeah, just learning learning more about that that uh you know b- before I I'm hard on myself um because of the things I've achieved or the things that the confidence I've you know developed or like uh just from a young man to a grown man. For sure. Um all those things, all the changes that comes with it. Um it's not necessarily your fault if someone else feels insecure about it. So yeah. There's a there's like a sweet spot there of not cutting them off completely, but then not letting it get to you. Well, it's kind of the culture thing because um, you know, like I, I know a lot of cultures live together or live close in you know different suburbs or different towns within Australia, and so yeah, like it's kind of like the small town syndrome or the poppy syndrome, tall poppy syndrome, where you know you want to move to the city or move to the big city, the big smoke and 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 spread your wings but everyone else kind of wants to just mm-hmm. stay in the comfort zone of you know playing basketball on Tuesday nights and you know youth group on Fridays and that's and that's the bubble mm. and and then exactly. you know I'm in my 30s now I think you are too like I've got friends who still haven't ventured out of that bubble and for some for some of them it's incredible it's amazing but others I know strive to do something different, but then they're too afraid to, or they're they're too scared to think, what if it doesn't work? And I think like that's the biggest um, boundary that holds people back. Because if you hadn't moved to the city, you literally might not have had all the opportunities that you have had over the over your years. For sure, yeah. And you do want to hang out with them. You do want to keep up that relationship. But then there's this thing where, you know, sometimes they think you think you're the shit. But then you don't. You just really want to hang out, and there's this, <laughs> you got to break through that wall before you kind of connect again. There's like a buffer period. But um, I'm pretty lucky that like the the ones that really matter um are pretty understanding of my lifestyle, and they, you know, they get where I'm coming from, and I get theirs. You know, we're we're we've been in touch the whole way, so I've got like some really strong like, strong foundation of like day oneers, right there. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. How do you keep fresh and up to date? Do you, uh, you know, learn songs because fresh? Yeah, do you learn songs because you need to, or you know, what, what do you do? That kind of ties to the previous question. My boys, the boys, uh, my god brothers. Um, shout out to them, the Legaspi family. Um, they're like my day one guys. We kind of all grew up like being the hippest kids in town, <laughs> like. Uh, I I would always get new music and show it to them, and um they they're kind of more design and fashion, so they influenced me with that. And I think together we kind of we just had our own little subculture of cool things, yeah. Um, while the rest of the fellows were like playing basketball and you know listening to R and B and wearing baggy pants, like we were like <laughs> we were kind of alternative, you know, yeah, like you know skateboarding, biking, um fixies all all the subcultures like yeah we we were kind of anti and mainstream so that keeps me 
I've always had that till now. It's kind of keeping, you know, if if the whole crowd goes towards mm. one way, I, I tend to go the other. Nice. That's like, um, I reckon my first few years of high school, um, uh, you know, everyone wanted to be a, a, a Hills District surfy, yet we all lived at least an hour and a half away from the beach. <laughs> and then I started hanging around a lot more Islanders and <laughs> ended up getting into the R&B and all that kind of stuff. So my whole vibe just absolutely changed and, you know, all my Caucasian friends didn't understand me anymore and so I ended up just hanging out with Islanders all the time and getting my hair cornrowed at Mount Drew at Westfield on a Thursday night. <laughs> it was like, where are you hanging out? <laughs> <laughs> I've always said it. I've always said it. You're the blackest white girl I know. I always said it. I stand by it. It's on record now. <laughs> it is on record. <laughs> you get her. <laughs> hey, DC, this question is a challenge for some people. And then for other people, it's, um, you know, it's like a, a dream question. So uh, where do you see yourself uh, five years from now? Oh, man. Hopefully surviving this uh, COVID thing. Started my, um, my business. Yeah, I'm pretty... Growing up, uh, Travis Barker was kind of like a big role model for me just because he, he didn't just put drumming in the front line, like in the limelight, but like the things he could do, he was so um, he was so entrepreneurial with his approach. Like he had a, a record label and a fashion line and clothing line and a, an extreme sports game and a chain, uh, extreme sports team and a chain of restaurants and yeah that that's the way he does things has always inspired me so hopefully a a business with you know with another passion of mine so Travis Barker is a drummer and he yeah um has used his drumming to implement other businesses or he kind of did it all at the same time yeah for those who don't know Travis Barker is the drummer of Blink-182 um and he's kind of the most popular member of that band uh, and nowadays, like he's just become his own brand. You know, the Travis Barker brand's huge. Um, whether it's a feature with another artist or his own records, or yeah, just uh, he's taken it to the next level when it comes to business and um, just other ventures. Um, and t to him, it's just a passion. It's still not about the money, not about the numbers. It's just a byproduct, you know. Um, so yeah, he, the, the, his approach to things is super inspiring to how you you live by the passion, you live by the art and everything else is just a byproduct. You know? That's great. So it's like life is a creative bubble um, and then you're able to use your avenues from that. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's really just expressing the things he loves, cars, tattoos. He's got like a car expo, tattoo expo, like he just, just everything he loves and somehow ends up, you know, making a brand out of it and it flourishes. Awesome. Yeah, see, that's that's the freedom that, um, like, I've been wanting to, to speak about is that, like, just to speak about Travis for a minute, that his talent and the, of course, the gift of being able to play drums and, and, and do that life has not um, put him in a bubble of that's all he is or that's all he can do. He's able to use that gift and use that talent to then venture into all these other passions. And I think that's yeah, a, a lot of what my message is for these podcasts is to remind us as artists that we do have so much more to give than just performing or just playing our instrument. Like, you know, that's that's why I'm doing the podcast and stuff like that is because I really 
you know, I love to encourage. I love to talk to people. I love to hear people's stories. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't think anything of that of me. They just think, oh, that she's that singer. She's that redhead singer or whatever. Like there's always going to be a label towards your 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 talent um but then being able to be okay with yourself enough to know that you can branch out and have other and have multi different avenues so that's awesome mm, for sure for sure so dc right now of course we're all in covid-19 and um we're not gigging we're not performing or you might you know see a few facebook lives here and there um, so, you know, I wanted to ask the personal question of how, how is it all for you and like, how are you taking this time? Yeah. Um, as, a, as it honest as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty fortunate that I'm okay with the financially, um, always have, I've never been like a credit card or debt guy. Um, I never spend money. That's not mine. I've always just had savings. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's a good trait that my mom passed on to me. Shout out the mom. Um, yeah, uh, and super lucky to be in Australia, period. I mean, I don't shout that out enough, but every time I speak to someone about what's going on right now, I always try and bring it up. Like, man, like all I have to do is be on a, on a message thread with my cousins in the Philippines to hear the difference in conditions. Like, I mean, you know, people are waiting for three sacks of rice from, from the government while I'm. I'm thinking about what's better, a job seeker or a job keeper? Like <laughs> my problems are way, it's, yeah, I know. Way I shouldn't be laughing. First, first world, you know. Very fortunate. Um, so I'm, I'm okay. I think the mental health side of things, um, I have more routine. I have more structure. Uh, every day, I'm I'm training with a friend of mine. Shout out to Lap Win, uh, Team Win Strength and Conditioning. Great. Um, and he's a. You might know him as a sound guy in Opera House. Okay. Upper bar, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was swapping out drum lessons with uh, with PT sessions before the pandemic hit. Um, but we haven't had a drum lesson in a while, but we've been training every day. So they've made like a makeshift gym at another PT's backyard. Uh, today we did lunges at Wentworth Park. Awesome. Um, that's been awesome, starting off your day with exercise and with structure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my days are quite simple. Home, mom's, studio, hang out with my dog. Yeah, <laughs> the simple life. Yeah, the simple life. But you're okay with being, you know, on your own. You're okay with that that side of life. I guess it does get lonely. Not gonna lie, sometimes. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just uh, you just manage. <laughs> you just deal. You know, get busy. Call a friend. Visit mom. Take the dog out. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely strange, unprecedented times. I think even before this, because I've been single for a while too, um, and living alone. This is the first year I've lived alone. It's been a, it's been quite uh, a learning process for a young man. Um, I don't even know if I qualify as young man anymore. That was the first <laughs> time I lived alone for a year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had, uh, had a lot to learn. Um, yeah. I think everything's manageable if you have the uh, right mindset and the right purpose. You're on the right track there. Like I'm, I'm such a routine um, person as well. Like I'm finding, you know, I'm literally my closest Aldi is an hour and a half drive away. So it's not like I've got any shopping centers that are close to be like, Hey, I'm going to go drive to the shops. But I think, I think maybe of course, three years of, of, of cruise ships really, 
got me into that routine of being okay doing life on my own. Um, but I'm an only child as well, so I kind of appreciate I I appreciate space and I appreciate um, you know just giving myself post its of of what to do and and I'm good I'm pretty much good to go. So um, one of my favorite questions is without your talent so without say um, being able to perform as a drummer what else do you see yourself you know what else do you see in yourself what else do you enjoy doing you mentioned before of course like you you of course want to have your own business avenues in the future but yeah how do do you see that for yourself what else do you love Mm, I feel like um, yeah growing up with the boys they really got me onto design and fashion um and I kind of took my own path with that too. Like I was always like the loud dresser. I was always like the punk. I was always the the alternative guy. Um, yeah, and I feel I got used to that as a kid. I, I was kind of a lone wolf. I got used to doing my own thing. and um, But I could see it having a good effect on people. Like I, I always got complimented for, for style or for how I did things. Um, yeah, so maybe... Maybe something like that, like a a fashion line, a clothing line. I've always wanted to to own a store of just jackets, just because I think a jacket defines a person, the type of jacket. Like shoes, it can be like, yeah, sure, this type of person, but a jacket says a lot about a person. So from like varsity jackets to suit jackets to just like a jacket-based. Yeah, you look good in a jacket. Thank you. I can do a jacket until I get freaking hot and then the jacket's off. (laughs) I probably would survive one set and then the jacket's done. (laughs) Yeah. As a drummer, I'm like, yeah, by pre-chorus or by bridge, I'll take it off. That's it. That's it. But yeah, thinking over the years, like you've always been uh, the one to have the fresh cut with the hairstyle and, um, you know, the the fresh fashion. So I would totally give that to you. And that like... That takes courage as well because, you know, we're conformed to being in the style of what's going on at the moment or like if you're one to press out and do something that's different, it's it's that takes a lot of, of a lot of courage because, of course, you're going against the grain of what we, uh, you know, conform mm. to, to doing or, or mm. wearing. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing I really attribute to growing up in punk rock culture, like – if I was to just do that now, suddenly, like start wearing harem pants and baggy shirts and, you know, this tattoo on my neck and all that, I'd probably not have the confidence to back it. <laughs> but because I grew up and I was so used to, you know, just going against the the grain, like doing my own thing, it's just natural to me now. Um, so, yeah, it's a good, it's a good um, trait from it's that really culture. Cool. Uh- Anything that you can say for the university kids who are studying right now and, you know, the young the young cats in our industry who um, would be on the verge of taking that step into trying to find gigs and getting out, getting out there, what did you what, have any uh, encouragement for them? Yeah, I have a couple of uni students, actually. Uh, Jonas Day, shout out. Um, hope you're doing your homework. Um, yeah, hmm. I think um I think be yourself from the beginning um and uh calm the nerves learn to calm the nerves nice and early uh that one's probably specific more specific to me talking to myself to the younger me but um yeah uh listen twice speak once you know uh Daniel Marsh 
good friend of ours sent that to me yesterday. It's a Tupac quote. Um, at, at that age, there's always more to learn, less to say. Uh, so yeah, really just soak it in, soak it all in. Just say what's necessary. Um, yeah, just um, and be yourself from the beginning. I like that. Because um, it's a lot of effort when you're trying to be something else to fit. And then as soon as you can't hold that anymore, you're going you're gonna to give out. And then people will see the real you anyway. So it's good to just go from that from the beginning. Um, then you'll have the right people with you from the beginning. That's great. Always be open to coming up as a team because um, we're stronger in numbers. Um, and someone else's success is also yours if, you know, you have a team mentality instead of like, ah, oh, why did he get this and I didn't? We can all be guilty of that sometimes. But um, That's a huge one. That's a really great one. I think um, personally as well, like over the years, I, you know, I've, I've had those moments or how come they've had that opportunity and how come they didn't see me or like, you know, doing backing vocals for someone and then, um, someone else getting the gig, you know, afterwards or whatever, or, you know, even the, even the thoughts of the, the past season being overseas and watching friends having really great, um, opportunities here in Sydney and thinking, oh, if I was home, it would have been me, but I really had to teach myself to go, no, 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 this is my mm -hmm. journey. This is my path. This is, this path is the mm -hmm. one that I've chosen um, because at the end of the day, that person may be looking mm. at my life and going, oh my gosh, I wish that I'd done that. And I wish that I'd been on, you know, that, that journey as well. So it always is reversed the other way. So if we can stay, you know, at peace with it and at, at peace with the decision and the, and the way that your direction goes, I think that creates a healthier path than feeling like if you'd done something different, you know, in, in that mentality. I really like that. That's really cool. You did mention to calm the nerves for yourself if you were able to, you know, to speak to your younger self. Uh, have you got anything else that you would advise yourself as a younger drummer? Yeah. Um, slow it down with the relationships, <laughs> maybe. Hey. Um, I kind of come from a family of, like, really uh, passionate, um, passionate lovers. They're almost kind of like Latino guys. My uncle, my cousin, um, really like give it everything, you know. Um, and growing up with that, I think I applied that a bit too much. To, you know, younger relationships of mine, I think were a bit too intense in hindsight. Um, yeah, if I just paced myself and just learn through the journey and, and you know date and break up and just go through the motions smoother. Um, yeah, I'd like my uh, my younger self to have that advice. <laughs> You're a romantic at heart, it sounds like, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I remember being at a... Super, like, Korean Korean drama, like, yeah, all that. <laughs> I, I literally remember being at a at a function with you, I think, in Lidcombe. I think that was when your car got smashed. Ah, yes. And, yes. yeah, being on the couch and having, like, a an over-an-hour conversation about a relationship and you know both of us in two separate worlds and how yeah how how to balance you know how to balance that like finishing that gig and not getting home till you know after 12 nearly one mm. it it is it is a balance that the other the other person has to be able to support the musician or the creative 100 mm. percent 
if they're in that world or if they're not in that world, they have to, it, the balance has to be there. And I think, um, you know, we've all got stories to tell of what we learnt along the way with, with previous partners and that's just going to be stronger for the future, of course, when that right person comes along. <laughs> We've had um we've had a few of these now come to think of it like yeah um there was that time relationship advice relationship talk at that gig and then like I I went in your cabin on a cruise one time and I had a good vent had a good DNM it's probably why I'm comfortable right now that's good man hey um DC Mr Don Cabrera this has been really really easy and some great you know some great information as well um and I'm hoping that you know people will will listen and, and be inspired. And uh, it's just been so lovely to hear how natural your journey has been as a musician. I think that's um, something, of course, that not everyone gets or gets to achieve. And so um, honour that and be really thankful that you've had that um, that journey. That's That's fantastic. For sure. Always super grateful. This has mm. been awesome, Kylie. Thank you.